0: Earth Day is around the corner, and frankly, you should be ready to see our current crisis linked directly to our treatment of the environment. That language is coming. Those articles and news reports are absolutely coming, especially in light of the U.S. having withdrawn from the Paris Climate Accords and the U.N. sustainable development programs like Agenda 2030. That's a cudgel the politically minded opinion makers love to hit us with every year at this time. But you won't only hear this language used by the secular media, you'll see it used more and more from Pope Francis, who loves to keep hitting this point all the time. He again recently linked our current crisis of the affliction to our treatment of the environment. There are basically three basic theories among the Catholic faithful right now. One, that what we're going through is a purely man-made, accidental thing we're dealing with, and it's not a chastisement from God. Two, that it may be natural, but God uses natural means to send spiritual and material chastisements through his permissive will. And that's what we're going through now, at the very least, if not if it's his more active will. And three, that this is a backlash against us as people from nature, who's tired of our, I don't know, refusal to recycle plastic grocery bags or something. I'm firmly in camp number two, and Francis seems to be obviously in camp three. He, a week or two ago, had a statement where he said nature was having a fit, and then, late last week, doubled down on this yet again. On Wednesday, Francis told the Tablet, quote, There is an expression in Spanish, God always forgives. We forgive sometimes, but nature never forgives. We did not respond to the partial catastrophes. Who now speaks of the fires in Australia, or remember, so that 18 months ago a boat could cross the North Pole because the glaciers had all melted? Who speaks now of the floods? I don't know if these are the revenge of nature, but they are certainly nature's responses. End quote. Prior to this, Francis had stated that nature was having a fit, using the Spanish language equivalent to a toddler's temper tantrum. While this personification of nature is disturbing, especially since it's pretty clearly not metaphorical, at this point it isn't surprising in the slightest either. We've been here before, and we've seen similar from him in other situations. Last October, the Pope published a book titled. Our Mother Earth, which consisted of a collection of his addresses, messages, and homilies where he stresses the protection of the environment. In that book, he said, I sincerely hope for growth in awareness and true repentance on the part of us all, men and women of the 21st century, believers or not, and on the part of our societies, for allowing ourselves to be carried away by logics that divide, create hunger, isolate, and condemn. It would be good to ask the poor ask the poor and the excluded for forgiveness. Then we could repent sincerely, including for the harm done to the earth, the sea, the air, the animals. The Pope stated in an extract of one of his messages included in the book. End quote. While he's correct in stating that the current crisis can be a place for conversion, in fact, I'd say it must be a place of conversion for all of us, To say or imply that this is a conversion to a green way of thinking is bizarre in the least, but again, we've been here before. The language of Mother Earth should always be off-putting for Christians, because it transcends the use of concepts like parents and people and siblings as a metaphor and implies a much more concrete parental relationship that is frankly pagan in its thinking. The proper use of familial relationships and personifications as a metaphor come to mind for a proper understanding of the environment in relation to it. They come from G.K. Chesterton, that great English writer from a century ago and from standard times. He wrote the following in his landmark book, Orthodoxy, which I cannot recommend highly enough. Chesterton wrote, quote, The main point of Christianity was this, that nature is not our mother. Nature is our sister, and even a younger sister, a little dancing sister to be laughed at as well as loved. Chesterton argued that because we share the same father, we are siblings. Nature has no authority over us. Nature shares our common father, so to speak, but isn't something to be regarded with the respect we are due to our parents or God or our neighbors or our actual brothers and sisters because nature or the earth isn't a person. It doesn't get angry. It doesn't have temper tantrums. It's something that was created by God that we have been granted the dominion of stewardship over. We are certainly expected to pass it down from generation to generation so that each generation has the basics of what is needed to thrive as people, but beyond that, to treat nature as a person in this language is a pretty serious error of reasoning that I hope most people intuitively understand is wrong and to be avoided. On April 1st, Francis held his Ubi at Orbi address early, usually which is done on Easter, and he had the aim of providing hope and resolute leadership to the church and to the people of the world, to be a sign of the presence of God in people's lives during these dark days. Many haunting images came out of that, and some misreporting from people critical of him did as well, including the erroneous report that the miraculous crucifix placed on display was destroyed by the rain. It wasn't destroyed, it was slightly damaged, but has since been repaired and is back on display where it belongs. But even at the Ubi at Orbi address... We were treated to the strange personification of nature, where Francis prayed, In this world that you love more than we do, we have gone ahead at breakneck speed, feeling powerful and able to do anything. Greedy for profit, we let ourselves get caught up in things and lured away by haste. We did not stop at your reproach to us. We were not shaken awake by wars or injustice across the world, nor did we listen to the cry of the poor or of our ailing planet. We carried on regardless, thinking we could stay healthy in a world that was sick, he said. The language of our ailing planet is, again, a personification of this mighty creation of gods. Mighty, yes, but not a person, certainly not our mother. It, like us, like everything else in existence, was created by the Creator, and while due the respect of something given to us to be stewards of, it is not our mother. As Catholics, we have one mother, and it's not the earth. But again, none of us are really surprised by this language at this point. Compare this language, though, to what Bishop Schneider and others have stated about the nature of the current crisis. So, example, not Bishop Schneider, but another prelate, a German cardinal, Paul Josef Cordes. Yes, a good German prelate said in a rough translation of a letter to the German edition of the Catholic News Agency website of our current crisis, quote, Here and there the question was raised whether God would answer our sins in the affliction. The question sparked furious criticism and loud protest. A bishop said, to call the scourge the punishment of God is cynical. The verdict would undoubtedly be true if, for each individual infected, the infirmity was attributed to a personal sin. The Gospel of John says clearly when healing the blind born that not all illness is due to human sin. See John chapter 9, verse 1. But on the other hand, God's word clearly states that life contrary to God can lead to illness. Reliable exegetes state, sickness is the wages of sin. For example, it teaches the pericopes about the healing of the, par- of the paralyzed in Capernaum, which makes the link between illness and sin inevitable. See Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Even more striking is Paul's accusation that members of the Corinthian community would receive the Lord's body unworthily, and for this reason many of you are sick and weak. See 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30. After all, the Apostle is aware of God's intervention and healing. His companion Epaphroditus resisted a life-threatening illness, not only through earthly help. It was God who took pity on him. See Philippians 2, chapter chapter 2, verse 26. Accordingly, the Bible does not exclude God in cases of illness and healing. A nexus cannot be deleted for the current crisis either, a philanthropy which forbids God to chastise at all. Then, as a much more pernicious effect than correcting the word of God. The idea, whoever distorts God's love so full-bodied angrily condemns the popular piety of centuries. He has God's word against him, which says, God treats you like sons, for where is a son whom his father does not chastise? See Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. And what deeply upsets, such comforters not only close church doors, but the sky. God is not apathetic. End quote. I think that but the sky, Cardinal Cordes, means that those who offer such false comfort and lie to people about God's willingness to chastise, close off heaven as well as the doors of the church. Cardinal Cordes was overtly writing in response to some German bishops who, rather predictably unfortunately, rejected the notion that our current crisis is a chastisement sent by God to correct the many sins of the world. He even implies that widespread sacrilegious Holy Communion has been the result and has resulted in this crisis. How often are the lines to confession short, but the lines to the Eucharist very long? far too often, and the Bible clearly says that those who receive the Eucharist unworthily eat and drink condemnation upon themselves. Honestly, though, it is refreshing to hear a German speak this way, even if it's only in writing, and even then only meant really for a German audience. But then we have Archbishop Vigano, who goes much further, further than I would actually go, in fact. Vigano told Michael Matt of the Remnant in his recent interview that basically the hierarchy needs to convert to Catholicism. Quote, The Pope, the hierarchy, and all bishops, priests, and religious must immediately and absolutely convert. These clerics have even committed acts of unprecedented gravity, such as we saw with the adoration of the Pacamama idol in the Vatican itself. Indeed, I think our Lord has rightly become indignant at the great multitude of scandals committed by those who ought to be setting a good example, because they are shepherds, to the flocks to whom they have been entrusted. End quote. Honestly, it's not surprising that Vigano would use such strong language against those driving the current scandals in the church, given his history of exposing these scandals with ever-increasingly strident language. This is especially true if we consider the source of much of Francis's language about the environment, which comes from his friend Leonardo Boff, that apostate former Jesuit priest who is now a liberation theologian guru of some kind, writing books promoting the concept of our common home, which is where that language in recent encyclicals and speeches comes from. I could go on and on, but I did a video on this subject two weeks ago. I recommend you watch it if you want to see more about the alleged temper tantrum the earth is supposedly having right now. In closing, I'll return to the words of Cardinal Cortes, who wrote in his German-language statement to CNA that I cited earlier, "...without question, it is the experience of helplessness and toil that drives us to Christ. Popularly put it in a nutshell, necessity to pray. In the vicinity of the Redeemer, however, our troubled request can change." Christ's love grips us anew, and maybe the encounter with his love becomes a request for his own love. Suddenly, we become aware of our own need for redemption, and it shakes us. The Apostle Peter experienced this as an example. In the appointment of the first disciples at the Sea of Galilee, Simon recognizes something of the power and divinity of Jesus of Nazareth after the wonderful catch. Confusion strikes him, but his own misery does not tempt him to crawl into himself. He seeks the Lord, falls at his feet, and asks, paradoxically, for he just needed his closeness. Lord, get away from me, I'm a sinner. See Luke chapter 5, verses 1-8. to eight. His gaze of faith is aimed at the communion with the Lord, in the face of Christ's holiness. However, he preserves the extent of his guilt, so every believer can feel dismay and perplexity, depending on the circumstances inside. Then he may gracefully beg the Heavenly Father for redemption and conversion. End quote. In these times, we are best served not by turning to the created for adulation and adoration, but instead turning to Christ, repenting of our sins and amending our ways. All of us, laymen and prelates alike. That may be a hard message to hear just after Easter, but it is the truth. To that end, I am trying to figure out how uh, how appropriate it is to carry on at least some of my Easter penances into the Easter season. Under normal circumstances, I don't think it would be appropriate, but given our situation, I think it may be necessary. What do you think, though? Let me know in the comments. I think without hesitation that we should all be doing acts of penance for our sins and for the sins of the world. I'm interested in your thoughts on this, though. Anyway, as always, I ask that you pray for the Church. Thanks for your support. I'm Anthony Stein. Happy Easter, everybody. Viva Cristo Rey.